book of Romans chapter 7, please. Romans chapter 7. We're going to move on to our next section of scripture here, starting in verse number 14. And to the end of the chapter, today I want to just talk about overcoming carnality. Overcoming carnality. We've been uh, looking at the aspect of righteousness right from the beginning of uh, the book of Romans. And then getting into aspects of the law and understanding the, the law's place in a believer's life, in a lost person's life, but also in a believer's life. And then how that law impacts the sin that is in you. And we know that's why the Lord gave it to us, because it reveals things about our own heart. And now we're going a little bit deeper. We're going to examine your carnality, the carnality of man. And uh, this is right before Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, powerful chapter. Uh, I don't know how long it's going to take for me to preach that chapter, but we'll see. But this leads up to it. So what the Lord is doing is he's trying to get us to see what we are without Christ and how much we need him and how he is our victory, how we need to overcome this carnality that's within us. Verse 14, it says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not, but what I hate, that do I. If I then do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more that I do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is the present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, for the good that I would do, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more that I do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. And you see that phrase twice so far, sin dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I do good, Evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with my mind, I, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Father, I do pray, Lord, as we just delve into this passage today, that you would give us some understanding. Lord, not just so we can understand scripture, but we can understand ourselves. So we know why we need you so desperately. I just pray, Lord, you would just use this to speak to our hearts, and Lord, perhaps there's some special need here today that this message will help somebody. I pray, dear God, you would just work in a powerful way. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we want to look at carnality and the flesh. Now, the flesh is what you are. Uh, it's your, uh, your makeup. It's your body. It's your blood. It's your bones. It's, it's uh, the fact that you were born and you weren't born a perfect being, you were born corrupt. You came down from Adam, 
and Adam was tainted with sin, and every child after Adam was tainted with sin, and as you were born, it was no different. You were tainted with sin. So you need to understand that it's important to understand where we came from. It's important to understand that you're in Adam when you're born. Uh, your flesh is that part of you that the sin principle dwells in. That's why even your body itself, which is the expression of that flesh, is not going to be necessarily redeemed or salvaged. Your body has to be completely changed. And the Bible says you're going to be getting a glorious body, like unto the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. But there's that flesh principle in you, that sin principle in you. And so I want to look at my first point is the confession of the flesh. Verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual. Now this is interesting because we look at the law and we think, well, it's just dealing with the external. But that's interesting because that's not necessarily the focus of the law. In fact, when Moses gave the law in Mount Sinai, it seems to just deal with the external life. It seems to deal with thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do that. And so many people, they look at that and they say, oh, so if I just change my behavior, then God's going to like me and he's going to accept me and so forth. But that's only one part or the, the, the introduction of the law to mankind. If you go up to Deuteronomy, the word Deuteronomy actually means the second law. But it's not really giving you another set of laws, but what it's doing is it's bringing you deeper into the law. And that's why when you look at Deuteronomy, Exodus, you don't see anything about loving the Lord thy God with all thy heart. But now as the second mention of the law, Moses reiterates, thou shalt love the Lord thy God. And many times throughout the scripture in Deuteronomy, you see him mention love, which wasn't there before. Now what's the difference then between Exodus and Deuteronomy? <laughs> it's talking about the same law, but now the Lord is saying, now that I've given you some time to work through this, and now as you're coming to the promised land, I want you to understand, the law that I gave you isn't just about conforming to a certain behavior. It's an inward change. That's what he's talking about. The law is spiritual. The law is not just meant to be a set of rules. And I wish a lot of movements out there and churches would get that. <laughs> and once you understand that the law is not just about changing behavior, but it's about changing your heart, then you begin to understand, I need more than what I got to make that happen. That's when I need Christ. And that's why many people are deceived. They think, well, I haven't committed adultery. I haven't killed anybody. I don't lie too much. Little white lies, right? Now, it's probably worse than that. But you know, the thing is, the Lord says, I know what you're like. <laughs> I know that you, you're going to try to fit yourself into this behavior conforming. And folks, it's not outside of, it's not just lost people that do this. I go into churches sometimes and it's so much about conforming to what people think you should be. <laughs> you totally neglect the inner change that's supposed to be taking place that produces the new behavior. Our verse has everything to do with this. Our theme verse. 
And be not conformed to this world. Don't fit into the mold of the world. But be transformed. Metamorphosis. Like a worm to a butterfly. <laughs> now, what did the worm have to do to become a butterfly? Just sat in the cocoon and let the natural process take place. See, we try to put all our effort into our changing outside. <laughs> I'm going to try real hard to do this and to do that, and I'll go sowing, and I'll, I'll give in the offering, and I'll, I'll do all these Christian things, and we're going to preach a message called the Five Star Christian, and if we can do these five things, then we're going to be right on top with God. Not realizing the next part of the verse, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's Deuteronomy. <laughs> so the behavior is Exodus. The renewing of the mind is Deuteronomy. So Moses is saying, now we need to change and focus on your inside. Now they should have got it at that point. Moses, impossible. Okay, let me tell you about why we're doing all these sacrifices. <laughs> let me tell you about Christ. Let me tell you about the Messiah. And how you ought to put your trust in him and let the law be the schoolmaster to bring you to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. But today we're just trying to conform ourselves. <laughs> and that's why many times you're frustrated. Well, I just can't be everything the preacher wants me to be. And you blame the preacher because I'm the one preaching it. <laughs> I want you to be, no, no, no. Folks, the transformation is automatic. You will not have a problem being faithful. You will not have a problem giving in the offering. You will not have a problem telling people about Jesus if you will allow the Lord to change your mind. That's where it all rests. But the moment we stop, we stop giving the Bible, the emphasis that we're supposed to have in our life, we, we don't allow him to change us. We don't confess our sins. We have unconfessed sin in our life. The process has changed. And all of a sudden, I don't feel like giving. I don't want to go to church anymore. I don't want to talk about Jesus. I don't want to. I don't want to. And now every time somebody talks about these things, they're trying to make me do it. <laughs> I can't make you do a thing. All I'm trying to do is show you the principles of this book that are supposed to change your thinking. And the actions will follow. That's the worm to the butterfly. I mean, and sometimes it takes work. <laughs> Someone once tried to, they saw a cocoon, they could see that it was moving, and they felt sorry for the butterfly, so they took a little blade and they started cutting the cocoon open for the butterfly. Maybe I could just help this one along a little bit, change the way they're supposed to change. And they did, and they cut that open, the cocoon opened up, and that butterfly just fell out and went right to the ground. And it died. Well, why? It was, everything was going fine. It was going fine until you meddled with it. See, because you don't realize that the, the butterfly needs, needs the opposition of that cocoon in order for the wings to develop. So the reason why it was fighting in there, God designed it in such a way that that process in itself was going to make it stronger. So we try to cut the cocoon for people. You've got to go through what you go through. You've got to go through your struggles. 
And, and it's good to be there for them as a Christian and say, hey, we love you, we're praying for you, and we're with you on that because we go through the same things. But you can't take away their pain. You can't take away their struggle. You need to let them struggle out of that cocoon. And when they do, the wings will come out and they will fly. Amen? That's what we're talking about here. We need to focus far more on changing our minds. You've got a brain with so many cells in there. I can't tell you how many millions and billions. I don't know what it is. But every, your brain is full of information. <laughs> Everything you've ever done, said, seen, heard, smelled has been stored up there, even though you can't recall it today. It's all in there. So when the preaching of God's word is happening and the truth is being proclaimed, it's challenging you. It's challenging every thought. It's challenging everything your mother or father taught you. It's challenging every idea that's been presented by any preacher ever. It's always challenging. And so that truth will either shake hands with that truth that's in your brain cell, or it's going to say, hey, me and you don't see eye to eye here. And that's where the choice comes. See, that's why I say in a sermon, you don't just sit there and take it in and then walk out. <laughs> You've been challenged. And so you got to ask yourself, okay, I've been challenged here. Am I going to allow my brain to have the victory or am I going to allow the truth to have the victory? And that's why at the end of a message, you get on your knees and you say, you know what, Lord, take the garbage out of my mind and put the truth in. Amen. And what happened today is my mind has been somewhat renewed. And guess what's going to happen? Your behavior will change. See, the law was just given so that you would see that the expression of a sinful soul is so wrong in your life. It's trying to see you. Look at your life. Look at the example of it. There's something wrong here. And it's not telling you, now you try real hard to fit. <laughs> but it's bringing you back into your soul it's saying, I'm going to tell you why you're not doing right. Because you're not being right. It's far more about what you are being than what you're doing. Amen. And what you do will be right if what you are is right. Amen. That's mind renewal. And that's a constant. It's called progressive sanctification. It's talking about how that today it's just one step in the process of a whole bunch of steps till Jesus comes that God's going to change you and make you more of what Jesus Christ is in your life. That's mind renewal. And so the confession of the flesh is this, and the, he goes on to say, for we know that the law is spiritual. There's a spiritual purpose that's going on here, but this is what he says, but I am carnal. Now, this is a confession. <laughs> I am carnal, sold under sin. So I know the law is good, and what it's accomplishing is supposed to be good, but the problem is that I'm carnal. I'm not spiritual. <laughs> I'm dead in my sins if I'm lost. And if I'm saved, guess what? I, can, I am still carnal, and there's still a process that I need to go through in my mind if I'm going to become what the law is telling me to become. I am carnal. 
If you're lost here today, you're carnal. If you're saved here today, you have the potential to be spiritual, but being saved does not make you spiritual. It just gives you the spirit to be spiritual. It takes a process to make you spiritual. I remember dealing with one person one time, and they, they came to me, and they, they're always jealous of people that did better than them. They always look at other people. Well, that lady, she thinks she's so spiritual. I says, what does that mean? She couldn't explain what she meant. I says, I'll tell you how you get spiritual. You wake up in the morning, and the first decision you make is based upon what you know the truth is. And if you make that decision of truth, you've now just been spiritual. And once you go to work, you go to your job site, and you see your boss, and you see the dynamics of that particular business, what you do is you say, hey, I want to be a good employee today, so I'm going to submit my heart to what the scripture says about being a good employee. But do you understand, your spirituality is only as far as the next decision that you make. So you don't get this to this enlightened place of now I'm spiritual. The law is spiritual, but I am carnal. So if you want to be spiritual, what's going to happen is you're going to be making decisions all day long that are in line with the word of God. And the first time you make a decision outside the word of God is the moment you've stopped being spiritual. <laughs> but I'm carnal, sold under sin. See, so all of us have the potential. If you're born again here today, everybody here can be a spiritual man of God or a woman of God. But folks, don't think it's some kind of a position you hit because you've kind of enlightened yourself. Uh, you know, you've hit nirvana. <laughs> It's based on the decisions you make every day. It's what you allow into your mind first thing in the morning. What did you go to bed with last night? Because what you went to bed with last night is probably still on your mind in the morning. And if that's still on your mind in the morning, then what are you going to do with it? Are you going to let it fester in your mind all day long? I'll tell you, you're going to spend your whole day just being carnal. You know, I feel it sometimes, the sunny mornings, a lot of pressure. This morning we got up real early, had to set everything up. We got baptism a little later and made sure the tank wasn't leaking this morning. <laughs> and you feel that pressure, you know, which makes you, you know, hey, kids, you know. And I had to catch myself and say, Lord, I want to think right today. I don't want to go to church and not be right in my mind. And so I, I personally went to the Lord and said, Lord, I want to be thinking right as I go to church. As I'm driving on the way. I say, Lord, help me to think right. Because I want to be blessed. I want to, I want to have a spiritual time. Yeah. Amen. See, the law is spiritual, but I am carnal. You're carnal. But I'll tell you something. You have a great potential as a born-again believer to be spiritual. And that's a powerful thing. 
That's something the Lord opened up when he died on the cross for you. And he gave you this scripture and the Holy Spirit of God inside of you where every decision you can make can be in line with the word of God. You can catch yourself. You can judge yourself. You can examine yourself. You can sense yourself when you're going off. And if you're being sensitive to where you are in your Christian life, you will know before you leave the door in the morning whether you are carnal today or whether you're spiritual today. Amen? All based on what's going on inside. <laughs> so you can go to work and you can put on the big show of how great you are. But ultimately, what's in your soul is going to come out. The Bible says, from the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaketh. <laughs> also through the day, you'll say, the blah. You say, where did that come from? Well, that's because I'm carnal. And I didn't make spiritual decisions today based on the scriptures. I didn't spend time reading the Bible. <laughs> I didn't fill my heart full of the truth. I didn't submit my heart to be filled with God this morning. I kind of thought I was okay. <laughs> the confession is, but I am carnal. Apostle Paul, great Christian, but I am carnal, sold under sin. <laughs> wow. That's almost discouraging until you know that Jesus Christ has come to deliver you. Amen. Carnal means implying weakness, frailty, imperfection. Sold under sin to means to be sold to someone, thus becoming a slave. So your, your flesh has a potential to actually enslave you and keep you enslaved. Now a lost person is enslaved. They can pretend like they're in control. They can pretend like they got it all together. But in all reality, whatever their flesh wants, their flesh will get. Only with a believer can you be freed from that. Only for, with a believer that can you actually serve God. A lost man can't serve God because they're already a slave to sin. But when you have trusted Christ as your Savior and how he delivered you from the power of sin, and then you get up in the morning and say, Lord, I want my mind to be right. I want to be filled with truth. You know what? You can become a servant of the God of heaven. Yet, but I am carnal. Constantly on guard. Constantly watching every decision I make. Because if I don't, by the time I go to bed, my head's full of garbage again. The Christian life does not work on autopilot. You've got to constantly be piloting that mind of yours. It's got to be under the control of the Spirit of God, and you have to give, give Him permission to access your heart and mind every day. Amen? Yes. That's the confession. Now, what about the conflict? The conflict of the flesh. Well, the first thing, the natural carnal man, that means a person that's lost, we call them the natural man. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.14, it says, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. So if you're lost, there's no way that the Spirit of God can do anything in your heart. You just, there's just no way. You can say some things, and you can be a lost person that talks and has a semblance of spirituality, but there's no change in your heart. Ultimately, you'll be exposed. Amen? 
Romans 5, 7, 15, it says, For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that I do. <laughs> so when he's saying that which I allow not, what he's saying is, I'm doing things and I don't even understand why or how I'm doing them. That's an interesting thing. Have you ever done something that now said, why in the world did I do that? That's what carnality is like. <laughs> now a lost person lives their life like that. Every day they can wake up. I don't know why I just did what I did yesterday on the job. or I don't know why I lost control. I don't know why I got angry. I don't know why I did this or why I went drinking with my buddies or why I didn't just say no. I don't know why. Because I'm sold under sin. I'm, under, I'm a slave. <laughs> and the natural man is a slave to the flesh. And they don't even know why they're doing it. It's just that's what they do. <laughs> it's kind of like a dog barks because he's a dog. You will sin because you're a sinner. Then you want, oh, I, I shouldn't do that. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but how are you going to change? That's the question. The natural man is a lost man. The natural man has a spirit that is dead, separated from God. Good passage in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, it says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. That means you are the one that has been made alive who used to be dead because of the sins in your life. But when you trusted Christ, your sin was paid for and the power of sin was broken and you've been made alive in your spirit. And so that part of you that was once dead, it didn't mean that it wasn't there. Every person's got a spirit and that spirit will either be dead for eternity or it'll be alive for eternity, amen? And whether it's alive or dead is based on whether you have received Christ as your savior, whether you've been born again and regenerated, <laughs> It's not based on what you've done, what you're doing. You, what you do does not make your spirit alive. It has to be in a miracle that God does inside of you, in your spirit, when you realize that I can't do this. Amen? It says, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. <laughs> By the way, can I explain something to you? This world is stinking bad. In fact, the Bible says that this world lieth in wickedness. Now, you can spend your life trying to change this world. And I give you all the credit for trying to do something about something that cannot be changed. But I'll tell you something. <laughs> Folks, when you were lost, that course of the world, you were right in line with it. It's like a current that just goes one direction. And you can say, I'm independent. Why do all these independent people look the same, talk the same, act the same, believe the same, do the same? <laughs> Yet everybody, I want to be unique. <laughs> well, no, you are just like everybody else. You're just walking this course and the course just keeps on going. And that's why when you as a Christian become born again and you find yourself on this course and you say, wow, I shouldn't be here. And you turn around. It's like getting in a canoe and saying, and now I'm going to go upstream. <laughs> wow, this is harder than just floating downstream. People say, oh, I thought a Christian life would be easier. Nope. It's not easier. The fact is you've got someone that knows how to row better than you with you now. 
But I'll tell you something, it's still going to be some tough things happen. All those that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. What's the persecution? Well, it's all these people that are going in this current, and now you turned around and you've gone against the status quo here. They're looking at you face to face. Hey, why are you coming this way? You're supposed to be going that way. Say, hey, the Bible tells me to go this way. <laughs> the Bible. And so you keep coming this way, they've got to move out of your way because you're saying, I'm going that way no matter what. They say, hey, somebody over there, stop this guy. He's going the wrong direction. Trying to turn you around. <laughs> Grabbing the front of that canoe and trying to spin it back where they want it to be. And many times, because the devil uses things in our heart, our bitterness and anger and so forth, we just say, I give up. Put the paddle down. And we just start floating with again. And we're just kind of going alongside these people. We know I shouldn't be on this course. But the Bible says that's where we were. And we didn't have a, have an, we didn't have a chance to make a decision apart from that. We were enslaved to it before. But now we're not. You notice that this course of the world, it's according to the prince of the power of the air. Who designed this course anyways? You think God designed the course of the world? No. This whole thing you turn on the news and all the garbage happening today, God's not behind it. He's doing everything he can to pull you out of it. The devil's in it. That's why when I talk to Christians and they're giving so much credence to this world and everything, I'm just saying, man, you frustrate me. The world lieth in wickedness. I don't give it any credence. I don't just swallow everything it says. Now, they write a textbook that says 2 plus 2 equals 4. I'll say, I'll give you that. But there's a lot of textbooks they write. I will say, no way, man. No way. But it's amazing. Christians are saying, oh, we should get that textbook. <laughs> no. Take this textbook. Amen. Amen. Follow God. Follow him. So the natural man is, is, uh, is in, there's no conflict when you're lost. The conflict you're just flowing with. But I'll tell you something, when you get saved, then there's a conflict. Saved carnal man. You know, you can, there's three different ways you can be today in this room. You can be a natural man, enslaved to your flesh. You can be a saved man, enslaved to your flesh. Or you can be a saved man, living in the Spirit. Walking after the Spirit. You can be a carnal Christian or you can be a spiritual Christian. And so we're all one of those three today. If you're not saved, you're a natural man. If you're saved and you're not really following what the Bible says and you don't really care in the morning, what you need to be like as you go to work, well, you're a carnal Christian. But if you wake up in the morning and you say, you know what? I want to be used by Jesus today. I want God to fill me I want to watch my attitude. I want to watch my words. I want to be a good testimony for Jesus. 
I'm not going to go to my friend's house who drinks beer tonight. I'm not going to go play around in that place I know I'm not supposed to be. I'm going to make spiritual decisions. That's a spiritual Christian. A spiritual Christian has less friends than the carnal Christian. Amen. That's why I say if you're a social person, you're, you're in danger. Jesus was willing to be by himself. And ultimately, at the end, he did. Even his disciples left him high and dry. Amen? You willing to do that? You willing to stand by yourself? <laughs> you want to be a spiritual Christian, you have to be ready for that. Now, you may not have to. You've got all these people here. There's a lot of people here that will stand with you in the, your spiritual life. But there may come a time where several of these will go and they'll say, I don't want that kind of spirituality. I want to make some money. I want to do that, whatever. And the world is just pulling them along. It happens. A saved person that is carnal does not necessarily want to live under the control of the flesh. Okay? Romans 7, 16. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. So, I can be a Christian that is doing what I know I should not do, and then I'm making an admission that the Bible is true and the law is good. <laughs> but I'm just not doing it. <laughs> Amen. See, when you're under the, the control of your flesh, you will know in your mind and heart that you shouldn't be doing it, and that knowledge in itself is making a confession that the law is good. I'm just not doing it. So not every person that's out there doing the wrong thing actually wants to be under the control of the flesh. So you can meet some Christians, and they're living the way they are, and maybe they've given up. I don't know how to... And they're just kind of discouraged. Yet when you ask them, and I've had friends like this that have gotten saved, and then they stop going to church, I go to talk to them and say, hey, brother, you, you shouldn't be, I know, I know I shouldn't be doing this. You know what they're doing by saying? They're consenting that the law is good. But they're also making an admission that I'm living according to my flesh. Amen? So some things about that saved carnal man. Carnal Christians admit the law is good, but that does not mean that they are living it. <laughs> Basically, your walk talks louder than your talk talks. So a lot of people can talk about the Bible, but you've got to ask yourself, are they walking in the Bible? So you can have a person, you've got to be careful, because you follow a person that just talks about the Bible without walking the Bible, you could be following a carnal Christian. Well, they're saved. I've heard that. Well, they're saved. <laughs> well, just because a person's saved doesn't mean they're doing right. Because of that sin principle in them. So you have to say, okay, this is what you're saying. Now what are you doing? Because what you're doing is expressing to me what's going on inside of you. That's why the Bible says, the spiritual man judgeth all things. Well, I've seen this before, where carnal Christians, or those that grew up Christian, and they've left, and now they're in the world, they say, you know, 
I, I, I just couldn't get past all the judging. I would go back, but they've just stopped judging. Well, let me ask you this. If they're judging you, maybe there's a reason for it. And if there's not a reason for them judging you, then why does it bother you so much? Usually it is, I want to live the way I want, yet the law is good. <laughs> the law is good. And yet they are preaching, you can't go to the bar. I mean, just going out with some friends doesn't mean I'm going to get drunk. But that preacher, man, no alcohol. What? You judging me? No, I'm just telling you what the judge has already said. It's all we can do. Amen. Number two, a saved person that is carnal knows sin dwells with them. Okay? So if you're a carnal Christian, you know that sin is with you. Now, the Bible says in Romans 7, 17, Now then it is no more that I do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. The word dwelleth means to reside or to abide with me. So this is what I know as, as a believer standing before you today. I have a sin principle that is living with me every day of my life. And it's going to be there until Jesus comes. I know that. A carnal Christian knows it too. Well, how do they know it? Because in order to get saved, you had to admit it. Now, if you're saying, I have no sin with me, well, then I doubt you're saved. Because in order to get saved, you actually had to make that admission. You actually have to be in agreement with God about the sin that is in you. Amen. So every Christian, no matter they're carnal or spiritual, knows that sin is present and dwelling in me. Now, a spiritual Christian, because the light is on, knows that makes this very dangerous. A carnal Christian is, oh, it's not so bad. I mean, it's not really causing me that much problem. Amen? But I'll tell you something. Every carnal Christian, if they're born again, they know that sin dwelleth with them. Amen? Otherwise, you wouldn't have got saved. Because the Bible says this, in Matthew 9, 12, it says, But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. So why did you go to Jesus if you weren't sick? Why did you want to get saved if you didn't have sin in you? <laughs> Amen? So you know that. In 1 John 1, 8, we can deceive ourselves because the Bible says if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So that means that you maybe aren't saved. If you've got, folks, I remember talking to one person. You mean to tell me that little bitty baby that just was born, they got sin in them. Oh, they were so disgusted with what I said. I said, yeah, they were born from Adam. Sinners. Oh, but they're so cute. <laughs> well, they're cute and sinners. They've got the sin principle in them. And you know what? A saved person, whether you're carnal or spiritual, you know it. That little baby. Sure, at first they cry just because they're hungry. 
first they cry just because they're cold. First they cry because, but it's not long, and they're crying just because they want something. Not that they need something, they just want it. And if you don't deal with that at a young age, they'll continue to cry to get what they want until they're 50 years old, still crying to get what they want. Amen? Amen. That's the sin principle in you. That sin, it just takes, you know. Sometimes I see people come in the church and they're takers. They just, they'll manipulate you, they'll cry. Oh, I need this. What you need to do is this. Just stop and say, hold on a second, can I ask you a question? What are you doing for others? <sighs> I mean, they'll go into some kind of epileptic shock because that's never crossed my mind. You need to ask people that are just simply always taking and taking and taking and just some say, what are you doing for the church? Oh, that church, they don't do this for me. They haven't done... <laughs> Always complaining, well, why, 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 did you, why didn't they tell me this? Why don't, why don't they do this? Why, why don't they have this kind of program? And just stop and say, hold on there. What are you doing for them? Yeah. Whoa. No answer. Then can I reveal to you that you're a carnal Christian? You're a carnal Christian. Because a spiritual Christian is about sacrificing for others. Carnal Christian, oh, the Bible says sacrifice for others. And that's the perspective they have of it. From a carnal position. <laughs> it's kind of like when you listen to a sermon. You know, <laughs> um, I remember someone telling me about a sermon that we both heard it. And they told me about this sermon and I just looked at them. That's not what I heard. Because they were listening through their flesh. You listen to a sermon in your flesh, you're going to find all kinds of things. How oh, is that preacher? Why would he say something like that? Yet the next guy is just, Amen, preacher! They're just blessed to high heaven. They are a better Christian because of it. They're just floating on cloud nine. The next person... <laughs> because you're listening through your flesh. Two perspectives of the same message. You look at them and say, I didn't hear that at all. Well, that's what I heard. Mm. What ears do you have on? <laughs> Jesus says, let he who hath ears, let him hear. <laughs> Talking about the spiritual ears. Amen. <laughs> Fleshly ears, spiritual ears. A saved person that is carnal knows that there's nothing in them that produces good. Nothing in them. Look at what it says in verse 18. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. So good means good, benevolent, profitable, or useful. So what you know is that in you, in your flesh, there is nothing on this side of heaven that produces anything good. Now that's important because that will help you to walk with God. 
when you take that seriously, unless you don't know how. <laughs> but I know this, that a Christian that is saved knows there's no good in them. Now, this is the thing. Well, what about those Christians that say there's a divine spark in everybody? I would say this, they're not a Christian. Because in order for you to get saved, you actually have to believe some things. In Romans 3.10, it says this, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. So you even know that if you're saved, that you're not the one that got the bright idea to go find God. <laughs> he came to seek and to save that which is lost. And that was part of the beauty of it because here you are a sinner on your way to hell and somehow the Lord finds you and says, Hey, what are you doing, buddy? Yeah. What? What are you talking about? You're going to hell, son. You didn't look for God. You didn't have anything in you that caused you to look for God. He, as a good shepherd, left heaven to come down to us to find you. And when he found you, you said, Lord, there's nothing good in me. Do you understand that? If you're sitting there today and saying, oh, well, I had good in me. Can I lead an invitation where you can come get saved? Do you understand to be saved, you have to understand there is nothing good in you? This is the problem when we start mixing religions. <laughs> well, I came from this church. What did they teach? <laughs> because you're coming into a place where we teach there's nothing in you that can produce anything. So if that church out there taught to you that somehow there is something in you that God would accept to bring you to heaven, we are talking two different languages here. <laughs> I know that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing nothing profitable before jesus i couldn't do anything right everything i did i thought i was making an impact Pfft. nothing in fact i was not only not contributing i was sucking the life out of everything around me because i was a sinner so i know this that even a carnal christian knows that there's no good in them. So I know it's a carnal Christian that says there's good in them. Well, then I say, you know a carnal person that said there's good in them, but they're not a Christian. Because if you're saved here today, you've come to the realization that there's no good in you. And that's what brought you to your knees before the Lord in heaven. And I'm going to tell you something. If that has not become real to you, maybe you... In all of your religion, have to finally come to the place where you get saved. I've heard of preachers that have gotten saved. I was in India. I preached a family gathering and I preached a message about the gospel of a Baptist preacher that had been preaching for some 30 years, came forward in the invitation and got saved. Folks, if you're here today and it's been nagging you about whether you're saved or not, what are you doing? Get saved! Yeah, well, I don't know what people would say. What people would say 
If you were to die today, you would burn forever. You would go to hell, the same place that Hitler is, the same place that all these wicked people are. You will be there with all of your religion. Get saved. Don't let your religion keep you lost. Remember I talked to this man who'd been hurt by the residential schools and he was telling me about all the terrible things that they did to him. And and I thought, wow, I can't imagine. He looked at me, why would I want your Jesus? And I just looked at him and said, sir, I don't know what Jesus they were teaching you, but that is not my Jesus. I said, they have taken everything from you. I said, don't let them send you to hell too. Because that's what they were doing. Now you can hold on to your religion all you want. (laughs) Don't let your religion send you to hell. Don't let it send you to hell. Because the devil does not mind using religion to send people to hell. All I know is, if you're saved here today, you know, in you dwelleth no good thing. Nothing profitable. Nothing that produces. See, this is what the law does. It helps us to understand that. It helps us understand, no matter what's going on, there's nothing I can do about it, God. Oh, it just drives me to Christ. It just drives me to Him. It just says, Lord, you've got everything. I've got nothing. See, if you're still coming to God with something in your hand. Well, God, I've done this. Could be the little measiest little thing. Just a piece of garbage. That's enough to keep you in hell. You cannot offer God one thing because you're still thinking you can produce something for God. You need to come to him. I got nothing, Jesus. There's nothing I have that you need or want or that is of any value. Mercy. Mercy. Have mercy on me. I'm going to hell, God. Have mercy on me. I'm going to burn, God. Have mercy on me. I deserve it, God. Have mercy on me. Throw yourself on the mercy of the court. Upon that merciful judge that's just looking for you to admit there's nothing good in you. That's how a person gets saved. Your religion, keep it. It's garbage. There is none righteous, no, not one. So I know this. As carnal as you may be today... (laughs) You know something. You know there's nothing good in you. So if you're sitting there today saying, hey, preacher, I'm offended. Can I ask you to get saved? If you're offended at the truth, you need to get saved.